Got it. <laughs> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Illumine our hearts, O Master, who love us, mankind, the pure light of the divine knowledge, and open the eyes of our mind to understand the gospel teachings. Implant in us also the fear of thy blessed commandments, that trampling down all carnal desires, we may enter upon a spiritual manner of living, both thinking and doing such things as are all pleasing unto thee. Without the illumination of our souls and bodies of Christ our God, and unto thee we ascribe glory, together with thy Father without beginning, and all holy, good, and life giving spirit, now and ever to the ages of ages. Amen. 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 All righty. Good to see all your faces, all your little faces. They're too small on the screen, but we'll take <laughs> All right, back into Matthew. We're in chapter 15. And let's see, I believe we're at verse 10. So we just had the Pharisees coming and asking Jesus why his disciples transgressed the tradition of the elders. A lot of conversation last week on hypocrisy. So now, just to give the context, Jesus was interacting with the scribes and Pharisees. He's dialoguing with them. And now he's going to turn and continue the conversation. He's including the people now, not just the Pharisees and the scribes. So when somebody read for us from chapter 15, verses 10 through 20. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leaders, the, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? That was a nice way to say that. <laughs> but, those who, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart, Proceed ever evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hand does not defile a man. Okay. Um, we've talked last week and before about. One of the main themes running through Matthew is the relationship of Jesus's teaching to the teaching of the Old Testament, to the law. And what we said, he's, he's not going to get rid of it. He's going to fulfill it. And part of that fulfillment is completing it. But in this, what I want to focus on for a few seconds here is just 
part of this fulfillment is clarifying it. All right, so we know that he's he's given an addendum to the law where early on, I think in chapter six, it said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, to but I say to you, and he completes it, he fulfills it with an even greater teaching. Um, in this case, I think there's somewhat, there, there may be some of that, but really I, what I'm seeing more is he's clarifying what the law was always supposed to be. In other words, it was never supposed to be about as a, a end goal to change somebody's outward behavior with a disregard of the interior. And yet you can see by his criticism and by, in a sense, their criticism of him, he's, he, his criticism is they're focusing on the outside. And we'll get into this more when he goes into his long um, uh, tirade is maybe, well, it is sort of a tirade, his, his long um, uh, accusation of, of all the things they've done that woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. We hear that during Holy Week. Um, so what he's trying to say here is what happened to the outside isn't the issue. The issue is, again, from the heart. I hope you're hearing with a great sensitivity. Every time you hear the word heart in Matthew, connect up to the other teachings and what he's talking about, the importance of the heart versus just whether somebody's hands are clean. Any questions on, on that comparison or difference? Oh, okay. We've been talking in Charlie's class about that's the heart is where you encounter God, not the mind. Correct. Yeah, the 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 early desert fathers especially talked about people who live in their heads. They didn't use those terminology, but if you if we live by our thoughts, their word for that translates into English as insanity. Hmm. Now. Even sanity is craziness. Insanity, if you break the word down, is it's not sane. Insane is healthy, right? What is sane? Safe and sane. Um, it's not the absence of craziness. It's the absence of health. So when people are insane, they're not healthy. So it's not healthy for us to live with the head as the center. And what Charlie is teaching all very, very uh, appropriately is when you live with that center, you're separate from really where God resides, which is in the heart. And the idea is that when your center is in your heart, you're thinking from that perspective. You're still thinking. You're still incorporating. In fact, the way they would talk about it is your mind descends into your heart. It doesn't live separate from it. And that's another way we describe this, this process of being sanctified, becoming holy, is we think from the perspective of our heart, which, again, is not the seat of emotions. The heart is the seat of God. That's where God resides inside each and every one of us. Um, you know, here we are in the Lenten season. Why do we fast? Why do we pray? Why do all these things? To return to the heart, having lived too much in our heads and in our bodies as the center, we return through prayer and fasting to the heart. Now, it's not like it's, it's thoughtless. It's, we're still thoughtful. It's just in the right context that allows us to encounter God and then our thoughts and our actions ideally reflect that reality, not just the reality of a thought without God. All right, so let's break this down a little by little. So he turns the conversation to 
the crowd or the people, the multitude, depending on what your translation says. Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man. What comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Now, for context, if you want to flip back and go up, you remember why this, what is into the mouth versus out of the mouth? Go back to the first part of chapter 15 if you want to refresh your memory. All right, so it starts with, why don't they wash their hands? And then he responds um, with his accusation against them in terms of the, you know, what they give to father and mother. And then he quotes Isaiah, these people honor their lips, but their heart is far from me. So that's that's where he's going to go. And he starts by saying it's not what goes into the mouth, but comes out of the mouth. And you can see here where the disciples are going to pick up on the tension that I'm sure Jesus was aware of, but they're becoming increasingly aware that his teaching is, is dangerous. Did you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? Like, be careful, Jesus, you know, that you're going you're gonna to upset them. And every time Jesus is, is the, the position of the Pharisees is brought up, um, you're going to see him very clearly explain why or what his perspective is on why he's saying. He's not saying it just to stir them up. Um, in fact, he's going to make it more dangerous when he says, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Now, what's that in response to? What's, what's he responding to when he says that? Just go back one verse. Verse 12. Somebody read verse 12. <laughs> <laughs> then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Okay, so he's responding to that comment. Which means when he talks about a plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up, he's talking about the Pharisees. That would be like uh, Rob going up to Metropolitan Saba on his first visit to St. Nicholas and saying, do you know that you were not planted here by God? <laughs> we didn't vote for you. <laughs> so it's a very... Uh, a, a very open criticism and, and and probably the worst one he could levy that they're they are not where they are because of god it's not it's not god who's planted them there or at least what they're at they're acting and teaching let them alone they are blind guys a blind man leads a blind man both will fall into the pit so he's saying, don't be so concerned because they're not concerned with what God would have them be concerned with. And you're also going to start to see here in verse 15, I, I don't know if this is the first time or not, I think it might be, that Jesus is going to have expectations of the disciples that they're increasingly not going to meet. All right, so Peter says, explain the parable to us. He said that before. We've heard, explain the parable. This time he says, are you still without understanding? And you're going to see that Jesus has an ongoing expectation. He's been teaching them. He, it's Time is going on. He expects them to understand it. And time and time again, they're going to be uh, not understanding it. 
Do you not see that? Whatever. Bad. What's that? I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like us. They're exactly. And really, that's how the scripture works. You should find yourself in there going, that's me. Again, because the scripture is, is a, it's an, a book of instruction. You got to be able to see where you are and therefore where, where you, me, all of us have to be uh, corrected and changed. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes in the stomach and so passes on? And Alan, you picked up on the reference very clearly. <laughs> okay. Um, food becomes, you know, what it becomes and it goes out. So he's trying to minimize the idea of what goes into the mouth with a pretty direct reference. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. There it is. Feel those bells and whistles going off. And this defiles a man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. So if you had to summarize in one sentence, what is Jesus's correction of the teaching of the Pharisees? Keep your heart clean and not necessarily your hands. Yeah. And know the priority. Yeah. One is important. One is relatively unimportant. Which again, we, we hear that even during the, the Lent or pre-Lent um, where we're taught to fast and pray, but the, the readings were uh, don't focus just on the what you're taking in. Yep. Yeah, interesting how on the two Sundays that precede the beginning of fasting discipline. So meat fair Sunday is the day before we eliminate meat from the diet. Cheese fair Sunday before we eliminate dairy products if you're following the full uh, discipline. And both epistles on those days minimize the importance of eating or not eating. What do they maximize though? What do they say what's more important? Anybody remember of either of those epistle readings? Prayer, almsgiving, fasting. Yeah, they, they were all in there, but in terms of, of what, um, like the one was about, you know, eating meat offered to idols. And if that isn't clear from the reference, um, you had all kinds of religions going on in, in this part of the world. And almost all religion, including the Jews, you had sacrifices and animal sacrifices were very common. Um, by the way, if, if you think God seems harsh in the Old Testament, uh, most of the people that he tells the Israelites to destroy were not only offering animals, but humans and especially children. So if it helps you to understand why God is saying wipe them all out, you might understand it better when you, when you see what they were doing. But anyway, so the offering of animals to the God, whoever the God happened to be, was very common. The priests often were the beneficiaries of uh, of the sacrifice they got gave some that was burnt up the rest was was given out and then they would sell they'd sell in the market they'd take the meat 
had been offered and they sell it. So St. Paul in one of those epistles is talking about, you know, for him to go and eat the meat, it's no big deal. He doesn't believe in the God. It's just meat, whatever, no big deal. But he talks about if I'm going to scandalize my brother, then I better not eat. So it's, again, that, that deeper reality of the heart, hurting somebody, scandalizing, weakening them. It's not the outward act of eating that's the issue, right? If, if, I, if I go to uh, Speedway and eat a hot dog today, yeah, it's not a problem because I'm eating meat and somehow meat is evil today and it's not going to be evil in you know, a month and a half. If, I, if somebody sees me though and I scandalize them, that's a problem. So it's, it's, it's the matters of the heart that he's going to say, these are what's important. Um, don't get caught up in the, the outward sort of religiosity of, of observances. And by the way, that's not just a New Testament teaching. In, in the Old Testament, you hear God say to, I think it was to Isaiah, your, your burnt offerings are a stench in my nostrils because you're giving all these offerings, but you're going out and committing sin. So it's not it's not a new teaching. Was that Alan or Rick who said something? Alan. Go ahead. It seems interesting in um, verse nine that he talks about the the bad things coming from the heart. Um, but sometimes you hear him talk about bad things, and then he says he talks about good things. I'm surprised there's not a reference to the good things that can come from the heart. Yeah, well, like you said, he's going to say it other times. I think here he's trying to contrast how you can see the relative importance of what goes in versus what comes out of the heart, um, what goes into the mouth. Again, it comes out, it's just food. What comes out, um, if anything, there's a little bit of a parallel here. If you look at what goes in the mouth, passes in the stomach, and so passes on, versus out of the heart come evil thoughts, adultery, et cetera. So you can see where uh, there's almost a, this is what comes out of what goes into the mouth, this is what comes out of what comes out of the heart, kind of a thing. But yeah, you're right. He's gonna spend a lot of time talking about what comes out of the heart in different portions. So how do we apply this? What does this make? What does this tell us for today? It's helpful to understand this, especially in the first week of Lent. <laughs> uh, I think you know you have to lead with your heart. Um, that's always a, a issue, I think, or a challenge for me. Is you go to the services and try to attend more often and pray more often. Um, but if you're just doing it just to do it and not with your heart into it, um, it's just going, checking off the box again. Um, and I just noticed last night when I was at a church at St. Paul's, Father is very emotional. I've, I've heard times during Lent, Father, when you were very emotional, or when Deacon David is very emotional, um, when you're reading the prayers and going through all the uh, different services during Lent. So um, obviously it's very powerful to the priest and it should be powerful to our, our myself, and sometimes I just don't get there. And I think that's just the heart sometimes, my heart is sometimes just hardened, just doing what I'm supposed to do, checking off the box, but not having my heart into it. So let's, let's dig into this because that's a really important point. 
Um, and, and tell me if we start getting too much into Europe, but I think it's very instructive for all of us. When you say you go and it's checking off the box, what do you mean by that? Well, it's just, okay, I'm following the rules. I'm, you know, I'm supposed to go to church tonight or today or this afternoon. So, all right, I'm attending. Uh, I'm putting forth a good effort, reading all the prayers, listening. But, you know, if, if I'm not there, I'm there for the right reason. But if I'm not into the service, if I'm not there uh, getting something out of it, then I'm just checking the box, just say, you know, I went, following the okay. rules. That's what I thought you were going to say, and I'm glad I'm glad we stopped to talk about this. I don't think that's an example of what he's saying. Because if you're doing it, and what you mean by checking off the box is, this is my discipline. This is, it's the right thing. I'm going because I know I'm supposed to. I'm trying to be obedient. That's not an example of our hearts aren't in the right place. Okay. It's actually, it could be. An example of a heart being in the right place because you don't get the emotional feedback or charge, but you do it anyway. That sometimes is a very higher form of faith where sometimes I think, and I've talked about this a lot, our modern, especially North America, although we're exporting this everywhere, our modern idea is the more real something is, the more powerful the emotion is going to be. And if you don't believe me, uh, watch commercials and you'll see what they're selling. They're not selling cars. They're not selling um, senior care. They're not, they're selling feelings. Buy this, you'll feel this. Why? Because they know that so many of us are motivated by our feelings more than anything else. So, when Jesus talks about the heart, he's not talking about the seat of the emotions. Um, what he is talking about is, as we said, the seat of where God dwells within you. And that's no more um, the center of your emotions than the center of everything else. It's, it's the core of who you are. If you think about it, our emotions tend to be more surface. Now, you can, you can have deeper emotions. But the deeper you tend to go into your emotion, the less emotional we tend to understand them. You see them in balance with your thoughts, your perspectives, and especially if we go deeper, you're going to see it in this perspective of God. So I was reading the story of, um, is it today? I think it was today's saint. Um, Theodotus, he was a bishop on Cyprus, and he's being persecuted, and they've like nailing him with nails, and they're gonna keep torturing him until he dies. And then a new emperor comes to the throne, and a letter goes out: stop persecuting the Christians. So he ends up surviving, but having gone through all this, but you know, I was thinking like he he must have thought of like, oh, I was so close, like I was about to be martyred, and then I already did the suffering, but I don't get to die from it, sort of a thing. <laughs> I don't think that's what he was. That's what I would be thinking, right? That's when we go deeper into our our thoughts and our feelings, we tend to be more stable and less necessarily emotional, right? Think about Jesus. He's obviously um, moved greatly in every way in the garden as he's facing what's about to come. But as he goes through it, you don't get that sense of 
it's almost like he went deeper into it and he becomes more grounded and centered. So I just I, I just want us to be careful of seeing our emotional response as a higher level. Now, if you were to tell me checking the box means, well, I'm orthodox and I don't want to be criticized for not going to be sanctified and I don't want to be seen as a slacker, then I'd agree with you. Not a good reason to go. But those you can see where the, the disposition of the heart is what makes the difference there. Does that make sense? Yes. Father, I think that Rob really expressed a feeling that maybe many of us have. And I did it beautifully, but um, I think we feel like if we're not all in, whether that's with our heart, with our spirit, our being, our intellect, if we're not all in, that we feel somehow as if we are depriving ourselves of something that day at that service. We can be right. physically participating. In Rick's and my case, forgive us, we got hit with this bad cold and cough and we didn't want to spread it. But we've been watching, you know, thank God for that stream. But so, you know, we might not be all in because we're not physically there, but we just mm -hmm. feel as if, and I say this for me too, that maybe we really are missing something even though we might physically be there. We're not operating on all pistons. And I know you have always said since the day you arrived here, be careful of your feelings. We expect something inside of us yeah. uh, to spark. And we pray it happens at all the services. And, and I, you know, we're real. So we know it's not going to all the time, you know, but right. we want we want that inner spark. And we just know if we're there physically, but, you know, check in the box, like Rob says, you know. Excuse me. That maybe we just, um, my, a news director of mine used to say, a missed opportunity, a missed opportunity if we missed a story, you know, or something, if we didn't get something right or first, a missed opportunity. And I think that maybe that's how I feel sometimes. So, how do you know when you're all in? What's the indication? <laughs> I wasn't at the men's group. <laughs> what did you tell the guys <laughs> this Saturday? <laughs> well, but I, I think you're right. I think we all have this experience. And it's, it's not to say emotions are wrong. Emotions are real. We, we should never criticize them, hide from them. But as much as we don't want to hide from them, we also want to be careful we don't want to seek after them. Um, so if you're all in, I think, again, as Americans, I think we expect that we're going to feel that in a very somewhat visceral way. It's whether it's the chills down the spine or the tears that come. Um, I think that's a normal, I think we all do that. We all wonder if we're missing something if we don't have that. But because we've had because we right. have had. Because we yes. have experienced it. And Father, you hear about it probably singularly at one time of year from so many of us more than any other time of year. And that would be the experience of Holy Week and service right. after service, morning after evening. And, you know, if you ask, when are we all in? When have you felt all in? You know, probably that week, right? <laughs> I think, probably. I think. 
Father, I think maybe what you're trying to get at, if you view the if you view the church as a hospital, in other words, you're coming in sick. In other words, what you've already done out in the world that day or that week or that month needs to needs a treatment. And so you see, checking the box might mean I need to get to the hospital to get some medicine um, so I can live another day. Um, maybe to that effect. I don't know. Yeah, does no, yeah, that's right. Now the question is, what's the medicine, and how do you know you've received it? Right. Well, I know you, yeah, I know you don't receive it if you don't go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so I'm about to have a a pretty detailed, deep dental procedure, and Sam knows my trepidation. <laughs> I don't feel good about it, but I know that that's the path towards my health. Right. If I follow my feeling, I go, oh, I don't want to do this. I, you know, let's do it some other way or let's ignore it. So the feeling, it's important to recognize it. The, the, well, I guess what I'm saying is don't make that the goal because the feeling might be a confirmation of something good. It might be a confirmation of something bad. Um, I was at this counseling training and retreat a few weeks back at the village and the the main supervisor of the group is one of the top levels in the Pentagon of the people who organize all the chaplains across the Navy and the Marines. So he literally commutes every day and goes to work in the Pentagon. He's a very high level. He's, he's one of the highest ethics officers in all of the, of the military. He's an Orthodox priest. What he was sharing with us is um, previously in his life, he had spent time in England under uh, now St. Sophroni uh, in Essex, England. And he would talk about how St. Sophroni really, um, in some ways, was able to teach the ancient Christian path of salvation in ways that hadn't been talked about in a long time, at least for people to understand them. And those sort of three phases, different fathers talk about different ways, but there's always three, interestingly enough. The, sometimes they go by the names purification, illumination, sanctification. Uh, there's different names are given, but what characterizes them in terms of feeling is in the first phase, a very high level of feeling and sensation of the presence of God. A lot of the fathers will talk about receiving the grace of God. And by the grace of God, what they mean is being aware of God's presence. Those are those moments, you know, we've all felt close to God you know, those special moments, whether it's in Holy Week, whatever it is. And, and those are, they talk about as visitations of the grace of God. What's interesting is that first period of the spiritual life is normally the shortest. That's usually the shortest time we spent progressing through these stages. And they're not clear like you end one and begin the other. They're not that distinct, but they are distinct in terms of their qualities. The second one is the majority of our spiritual lives for most of us. And really, it's, it's almost like bookends. You have the first phase and you got the last phase. And really, everything in between is the second phase. And what characterizes that is an overwhelming, uh, not sure it's overwhelming, a, a normative sense of the absence of God, of the silence of God. Sometimes we call it spiritual dryness. Um, 
Now, there are moments, again, where God will, will come to us and, and offer us his grace, allow us to experience his presence. But the normative experience in that second phase is his absence, not his presence. And what St. Sophroni and others wrote about is, is that's, if the first phase is, I'm in, I'm going to be a Christian, whether it's somebody make the decision for you or you decide to convert, you're in, and you we've all seen the zeal of a convert. It's beautiful, and it's exciting, it's moving. And But then you get to that second phase where you don't feel what you used to feel. And the advice of the Father, St. Sopronian, all of them is, why is this happening? This is God, in a sense, moving himself forward, taking him out of a regular expression of who he is, and then saying to us, follow me. And if we choose to, without God being there to reward us along the way, why are we doing it? If we go to church and we don't feel we're getting anything out of it, but we keep going, assuming we're doing it for good reason, we're not going to be seen by people or whatever, why are we going if we're not feeling like we're getting anything out of it? You're what motivates? You're still seeking for God? Yeah, and why are you seeking for God? Because we need it for our... Salvation. I mean, we're sick. <laughs> yeah. We're and it's fine. our realization of who we are and who God is that motivates us. We don't need him to be the one saying, isn't this wonderful? Keep coming. If we do that, we grow our dependence on him doing that and doing it because we get rewarded. So what they talk about is this is God's way of saying to us, if you love me, prove it. Show me you love me, not just when I give you a, a treat for what you do, but when I don't give that to you, do you still come? And that's what I'm saying where it's, it's if you've heard me talk about it a lot, it's because I think two things have collided in our modern day that's very dangerous. One is we've forgotten or we haven't been taught what is a normative spiritual life, right? This is not something we tend to hear a lot about. It's a sort of a higher level, and, and often we we preachers are trying to get our people to move along, but getting out of early, sort of as St. Paul says, I'm giving you baby's milk, right? But someday you got to grow up. Um, but this is, is deeper stuff. It's more advanced where we say, okay, in this phase, which is most of our life, you're not going to feel, at least not from God, what, what uh, to reward you to do it. Now, that's the one part of the collision. What's the other part of the collision? What I said about modern life. We are we are taught and formed in some ways, uh, mostly subconsciously, to follow our feelings. So you take those two realities together. If we are advancing the spiritual life, the feelings are going to drop. They're not going to be as 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 regular, as powerful. They may come when God chooses to, but they're not going to be the standard as they are in the beginning and the end. But we look for feelings. What do you end up doing? You you go backwards. You go looking for something that happened before you, and your growth is ahead of you. And that's where where it gets a very dangerous thing for us. Now, our grandparents didn't need this lesson, right? They didn't have the luxury of so much time to focus on their feelings. It was how do we feed the kids? How do we get a roof over their heads? It was we we got to you know get settled in this new country that they generally had a harder life 
in some ways, they were much more mature for, than, than we are because of that. And so this wouldn't have been a problem for them as much as it's for us. For us, it's a huge problem for all of us because this is the, the sort of super all being cooked in. This is whole feeling thing. And because the church was- Nice and loud. And because the church, when they first, the grandparents or the great grandparents, when they came here, the church was the center of their lives. They, right. they didn't have a church and then they struggled to get a church. So it, that was the focus. Yep, yep. And not so much what they would get out of it. They were dedicated to it. Yeah. I'm sure they got out of it. I'm sure they had a deep connection. I just think they weren't looking as much as we are for that emotional response as a um, reward is not the right word, as a um, an encouragement to say you're doing it right, you're on the right path. Whereas we sort of look for that and go, if I'm on the right path, I'll know if I feel it. Right? Yeah. Um, Sam, I can't remember if it was you or, or, or Rob, one of you said something about, you know, when we as clergy get emotional, there's actually canons against that. That's not a good thing for a clergy to do that. Why? Because we're there for a particular reason, that is to lead the community. And if we get uh, drawn towards that, we're to fight that. Because that's a very personal thing. We don't want the people looking at us and what's happening and, oh, look at Father, he's crying. We want to fight that because it's not about us, it's about Christ. So you would know that because, you know, you're not following the, the rules of clergy. But that's, the, that's seen as a very, not, not that we want to deny our feelings, but not to lean into them to the place where we become the focus. I'm even talking about not so, you know, even when you're throwing around the bay leaves on Saturday morning, um, you're, the smile on your face, right? We change the vestments. Uh, it doesn't have right. to be negative. It can also be positive. So um, I didn't. I was not aware of those uh, canons for the priest. Yeah. So, Father, yeah. does that apply to us as well? Of course. Well, I would say it's 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 different because you're not the one that could distract a lot of other people. I, I'm in the front. If I start giggling or if I start bawling, all you're going to think about is what's going on with Father, right? Um, I, I think that the goal would not be to say to bury emotion. Again, emotion is real. It's normal. We just don't want to raise it up in priority as a goal. And therefore, if you say, well, I, I cried, it was good. I didn't cry, it wasn't good. That's fine if you're going to the movies. All right, we go to the movies to get moved which is kind of reason why we've been sort of formed that way. It's, it's all about entertainment. And, but the danger is when you apply that to worship, now we're, or, or even just a spiritual effort. You know, I, I get people coming in and their marriages are, are in a tough spot. And when you ask them to describe the problem, we don't feel about each other the way we used to feel. We don't feel the dedication we used to have. Well, Right, because a marriage, like a spiritual life, has those three phases. The first, it's all wonderful, and let's get together. And the rest of it, you have those moments, but it takes work. And when couples don't know that, they misinterpret that lack of feeling, and they say, well, something's wrong. Now, it might be that they're not tending to their marriage. They're not spending time together. They're not taking time away from the kid, away, you know, on their own, away from the kids, and, 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 and feeding the relationship. That's part of it. At the same time, to expect a couple 
married 20 years to feel about each other all the all the time, the way they felt each other on their honeymoon, that's a dangerous idea. What you should look at is, are we sacrificing for each other more? Are we more dedicated to each other? Am I putting your needs above my own more often? Those are the things that would show us things are going well. I think just coming from the Protestant church, um, and especially if you look at the evangelical churches, there's a lot of emotion. And I think maybe some of that for me personally is that I grew up in some of that, not the evangelical. Uh, so maybe that's just something in the past for me. But thank you for explaining it. Yeah. Father, I have a couple of comments, if you don't mind. The um, it, It's interesting. I mean, we all have emotions. We all have ebbs and tides in our emotions. Some of them are, are more emotional than others, like me. What? But, but uh, that's Mediterranean. <laughs> yeah, it's Mediterranean. What are you going to do? So <laughs> the thing is, um, like you said, we can't deny these emotions. And I, and I can't help but think of, I, I pulled out uh, uh, Psalm 50, which we, we do say in that prayer, uh, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and steady me with a guiding spirit. Okay, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So the joy of this, of our salvation, I mean, I think as we get uh, along in our, in our Christian walk, that joy, I think, is less emotional, but, but it's still joyful. If, if, if I'm... And also, I think that, um, that maybe in the Christian, if you, if you want to try to go for an emotion, I think we should all probably think more about the peace of, of passing all understanding. And maybe that should be more our, our goal than uh, highs and lows, if you know what I mean. Yeah, beautifully said. And interesting how what, what you're pointing out is we tend to, if we're not careful, think of joy and peace as emotions. Right. What you said was, as we mature, our joy becomes less I don't know how you said it, not less emotional, but less emotional. Yeah. yeah, I would say less, less surface level, mm -hmm. less variable, less um, volatile. You know, I mean, every, every, almost every Sunday, as I'm sensing uh, after the, well, during the singing of the, of the Trubic hymn, I repeat one of the hymns that we sing on Pascha. And one of the lines is, lo, through the cross has joy come into all the world. And we've talked about this before, that in orthodoxy, things that shouldn't go together, like a cross and joy, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're two ends of the spectrum. But in the truth of God's truth, those do come together. So, yeah, I, th I think you, you, put, you hit the nail on the head, Rick. It's... We go deeper, and 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 again, you're right. Don't don't deny the emotion. Bishop John reminds us, emotion is good information. Like if a thought comes to you, and you think, you know, oh, I I get nervous when I, um, and I go to a certain place. Well, that's probably good information. Like, what's going on that you should be careful of? Yeah. So a feeling is good information. What we don't want to do though is make it the goal. Because the good information is, let, let's say I'm going through Lent and it's feeling dry for me, but I'm trying to be faithful and keep doing it. 
And then I get a moment of, you know, God's grace and, and whatever he offers, and it's beautiful. If I'm staying rooted in my dedication, love for God, I will appreciate that. I will enjoy it. I won't try to go chasing it. All right. Think about this, because that grace is a gift of God. Mm-hmm. If, if I gave you a gift, let's say, uh, you know, I go to Charlie's house and I, and I give him a gift and he likes the gift. But he likes it so much that he wants another one. And his goal becomes, well, how do I get one more of those from Father Michael? <laughs> now he's off track. <laughs> right? Because if, if the emotional response is the goal, I'm looking for something that I think I, I need. Rather than saying, God knows what we need in this, this period of, of our life where he'll give us that grace that presence that encouragement when he knows we need it and when he doesn't that's our chance to say you know what i trust you anyway i trust you whether you give me that or not that's how we grow in our faith now i didn't mention the third phase what's the third phase when because we proved ourselves to god he doesn't need to hold back his grace in order for him to know or us to know are we really dedicated to him and so it's it's a period described as constant joy, tears flowing, constant experience of God, clarity of, of thought. Um, it's, it's where the saints are when we see them acting their saintliness, right? How, how does a martyr go through martyrdom without losing their joy? Because they're so advanced in their spiritual life that all that matters is God. That's the, it's the only one. He's the only thing that matters. Everything else is a far second. Um, and it's interesting. A, a couple of the saints have written about the experience of going into that third stage and having their fervent prayer be what? What would surprise you if, if a saint found themselves in that third stage? What would be the most surprising prayer they could pray? Any guesses? Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. Send me back. Send me back to that second stage. It wouldn't put in those words, but send me back because I know that I can follow you out of my dedication because I've done it. And I, and I just, they know that works. What some of them were afraid of is if they get rewarded by God, could they lose their way? Hmm. So imagine that, that you, you finally arrive at sanctity, closest of God, and they, they beg for a return to dryness, absence, silence. Yeah, I, I can't understand it. It's just, to me, it's very telling, though, that that, that was their reaction. Well, I think for me personally, I have to refocus that when I'm going to liturgy, it's for praise and worship of God. It's not, it's for me to give back to God. It's not for what am I getting? So, you know, maybe that that's a turning point for me is just realizing what am I there for? What you mean it's not all about me, Rob? <laughs> it's all about, it is all about Sam. That's why it's all about Sam. You know that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 the point, Rob. That's that's great. And and that's where Father Hoppe used to say, you know, you can do everything. You can fast, the full fast, go to every service. You know, do a thousand batanyas and prostrations, 
Feed all the hungry, all for your condemnation. I mean, that's that's frightening. You think about that, because why we do it, again, going back to Matthew, if the heart is, is seeking an experience, even experience of me patting myself on the back, and worse, saying it's God patting me on the back. Oh, God is so happy with me. We never say it out loud, but we all say that somehow in, internally. And then, as, as Jesus says back in the Sermon Out, then you lose your reward, right? You do it in front of people to be seen by them. You lost it. You got your reward then. There's no more reward coming. So really, the only recognition, I mean, the reward is eternal life. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Yes. Yes, that's the goal. We know that, but but we don't know that. <laughs> right, right. We know it, but we we often live by looking for what we get here. That's which is why this is nothing new. Jesus preached about it, you know, in that Sermon on the Mount. Don't do it to be seen by men. That's you don't want to get your reward. That's that's his point. You don't want any reward now. <laughs> you want it because the, the the reward at the end, that's the only one you want. I was talking with with Michael yesterday, um, our youth director, and we were talking about how, you know, as leaders in the church, it's so one of the challenges we have is um, you want to lead people towards the kingdom. And as much as they understand that, they appreciate it. And sometimes when their goals are not ahead, they're now, we end up talking past each other because we're as unworthy and, and as bad as we are at it, at least hopefully our goal is, is to help them in their journey of the kingdom. But if it's, if it's a parishioner's goal to make a point or have a certain thing done in the church a certain way or whatever, um, we as clergy end up becoming the target because we're saying, don't worry about this, do this. Um, and how even then we can't just say, well, this is for your salvation because we're not all ready to hear that. So there's a balancing act of how much we can um, share and lead and expect people through a, a goal they're maybe not ready for yet, but we just kind of kind of nudge them closer to it is sometimes all we can do. As a as a young person, I don't think we focus as much on salvation and eternal life as we mature and get older and get closer to that time i think we probably pay more attention to trying to get there yeah i think it's one of the blessings of aging you know we we think of aging only in its negative consequences I hurt all the time, my back hurts, all I do is go to doctors, you know, it's it's this surgery, then it's going to be that surgery, and so we know the downside of it, it's, it's hard, my mother always says, you know, getting old is not for sissies, but what you're bringing out, Alan, is, is the good part of it, like, all of those things give us the opportunity to say, you know, it's not about this life and just this body, this body's going to the ground someday. Will my soul go to the kingdom? Where in the judgment, my body will join it. But it, where, where am I putting my priorities? Where am I putting my, my efforts? 
and for for reward in in which world and that's where i think aging can help us you know um we get humbled jesus said to peter you know when you when you're young you go where you want when you get older they're going to gird you and take you where you don't want to go and he wasn't talking about just somebody putting you know diapers on him and carrying him around it was they're going to take you to your cross but I think even through some of the difficulties of aging, I think that's one of the blessings if we see it that way is this, this is going to help me as I learned that this body is not going to last forever. And it's just a source of pain. And sometimes I'm a little more apt to focus more of my energy and my, my focus and my time and, and towards the growth of my soul. I think, I think it's a, it's a blessing from God. I, I think know, God, I don't know if Charlie remembers this, but, uh, Wade, Jim, and Abe were in uh, Charlie's class. And I said to them one time, what are you guys doing here? And they said, we're still learning. We have a lot to learn. And here they're in their 90s. So I, I got a kick out of that, but I, I never forget it. Y'all know why the Forerunners picked the name for the Forerunners? No? That was Nora, Nora Abe's idea. They were still talking about it. I said, I want a group for our, our, our older folks that a lot of them are retired. They they can do things together, and a lot of them are home alone. And and she said, "Well, we're probably the ones that are make it to the kingdom first. Maybe we should be the forerunners." <laughs> and that's where the name came from. Like, let's let's think of ourselves as not just old people, but because we're older, we're probably going to get there ahead, or at least leave this world ahead. We want to get to the kingdom. So that's where that's where the name came from. I thought it was genius. So, Father, um, what I was talking to you about yesterday is is really um, is really apropos right here um, from one of the readings in today's suggested reading is uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. So here we are talking about the heart and they're telling us to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yeah. Yeah, and trust, if you think about it, you don't need trust when you have all the thought and emotion of assurance, right? If I feel so good about this and I've thought it through and I feel good about it, I don't need trust. But when I don't have that, when my feelings are telling me, oh, this is going to be hard and I don't know what's going to happen, but I know somewhere I've got the thought, well, this is what the right thing is. I know that. I don't feel it. Then you're right, as as the the author of the proverb says, trust in the Lord. Put your trust there. Don't worry so much about what you think and feel about other things. Put your trust and then do it. So it almost boils down to a I won't say a lack of faith, but maybe not enough faith sometimes. Uh, yeah. yeah I mean, if, if we believe that if we do all these things and we feel all these things and we'll have eternal life, why don't we do it? <laughs> maybe we don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's the true measure or the true goal? Not the feeling about it. It's the doing it. Right. So Rob may not want to go to church. It may not feel like he's getting much out of it, but he knows to do it and he does it. That's that's what we want to be. You know, Nike has a great, a great slogan. Just do it. That is is very apropos for the Christian life. Just do it. You know, what you're supposed to do. Just do it. Father John Namie was was one of the great teachers in my life that taught us this. Uh, 
you know, it's camp and there's no budget and he's getting the food from the USDA. So whatever he could make out of peanut butter, Velveeta and tuna fish, because <laughs> we had, you know, crates and crates of, of those things. And sometimes he would mix them and be like, oh, I used to eat this. You know, he said, well, food, food isn't for your entertainment. It's a nourish your body. You know, it's like, don't, don't worry about what you just do. Do what's important to do. And uh, he was a great teacher for us. I was just blessed to, to work with him. Well, I'm going to read one quote and then we'll wrap up today. This is um, St. John Chrysostom talking about when Jesus says, the fairies that every plant, my heavenly father did not plant, will be uprooted. Uh, those who are diseased, the ideas of the Manichaeans, and I won't get into that right now, it's, just, it's a heretical group, say that this was said about the law. What Jesus has said before this shuts their mouths. If he were speaking about the law, why did he earlier make a defense on its behalf and fight for it when he said, why are you transgressing the, transgressing the commandment of the law because of your tradition? And why does he bring in the prophet Isaiah in, every, in front of everyone? Jesus says these things about the Pharisees themselves and their traditions. For God said, honor your father and mother. This statement is from God is surely a plant of God. So what is the plant of God? It's what, it's what really leads us towards him, not towards our feeling about it or somebody's approval of us or anything other than this is what God has, has led us to do and he offers us to do. And, and to just do it because it's of God. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Father. Miss all of you guys. Thank you, Father. You. Keep feeling better. Uh, we are yeah. getting there. Bring that sunshine, guys. Send us some. I know. Remember, Love Rick, it. Rick, tough times never last. Tough people do. <laughs> Put on Christ. Love you guys.